Welcome to Cloudcast Basics, the best source on the internet for learning cloud computing. And now from the Cloudcast Studios, here are your hosts, Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely. Hello and welcome to Cloudcast Basics Season 1, Show 6. This is your co-host, Brian Gracely, and with me as always is my other co-host, Aaron Delp. Hey, everyone. Today, Aaron, we're going to talk about Platform as a Service, or PaaS, and how it fits into the overall big stack of cloud computing. So we're moving up the stack. We're starting to talk about application development things. You know, How does PaaS fit into the cloud? Because we've already talked about infrastructure as a service in the first couple of episodes. Where does PaaS come into play? Yeah, it's funny because if you get to this show and if you're a developer – you don't necessarily need to know the other shows. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I have to jokingly say that, but it's kind of true because what do developers want to do? Developers want to write code and then they want to push that into production, right? The, the, the operation side of the house that we've been talking about of putting compute together with networking and with storage and securing it all. Ultimately, the goal of all of that is you're stitching together a stack or a foundation. And when you're stitching all of this together, what are you then doing, right? You're either serving applications from it or you're serving an environment for developers to write applications onto. So PaaS just bypassed a lot of this. And this is something is is a theme for future shows here of what do these platforms look like now and, and who wants to look at these platforms and who wants to utilize these platforms. And, and so think of PaaS as nothing more than um, a packaging of a lot of the other pieces of the stack. And it is a simple way to get all of the services that an application needs, right? Uh, we, we talked about databases on the previous show. Well, uh, a lot of times that's just uh, built in and it's a call, right? There we talked about load balancing and networking and that's just a call. Um, high availability is just built in. It's just always assumed the platform will be available as well. So taking all of the previous pieces and consolidating them into something that developers at the end of the day don't wanna have to deal with the operations of it. And, and so that moves into how they are allocated as well, because, you know, again, since so many things are abstracted, this is slightly different. So, Brian, how are PaaS services allocated? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the way to think about this is, so if you were an application developer, let me kind of throw back to some earlier shows. If you were an application developer before and you didn't have access to PaaS services um, you would have to say, okay, I have my application. I'm going to need a server or a compute instance. I'm going to need some storage. I'm going to need to network this thing together. I'm going to have to secure it. I'm probably going to have to get a database. You are going to have to go and do all that work. And that's not only a lot of work, it's complicated work. And none of that um, was going to make your application necessarily any better. What PaaS does is PaaS says, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. We will take care of it for you. All we want you to do is give us your application, um, tell us how much memory you need and how much CPU you need, and then just kind of give us a sense of like, what is it? What does availability look like? Do you need three instances always running? Do you need two? Uh, do you need to talk to a database? Just kind of describe it to us in developer terms. And then what the platform does is the platform says, ah, okay, I will take care of all that other stuff down below or bottom, you know, the lower part of the stack. And so what gets allocated to the application is really just 
what the application needs. It gives it as much memory as it needs. It gives it as much CPU as it needs. It makes it simple for it to connect to a database. It makes it simple for it to be networked and highly available and secure. But all that stuff is taken care of, quote unquote, by the platform or the platform as a service. The application developer just says, I wrote my software, I'm gonna hand it off to somebody and they're gonna take care of it for me. So from a developer's perspective, you know, these, these sort of PaaS platforms or PaaS abstractions as they're often called, is really designed to say, you focus on what you're really good at and let the platform or the operations team you know, take care of everything else without having to burden you with all that stuff. So the goal of it, you know, at least in theory, is you know, really, really powerful. Let's make developers really productive. So you know, this sounds awesome. It sounds like something because of automation and other stuff the cloud can do. How did a developer, you know, kind of stitch all this together beforehand, right? We always like to do a before and, and, and after comparison. How this used to happen in data centers, Aaron? Yeah, and and actually, this is something I used to do, right? I used to be on the operation side, setting up servers uh, for these kinds of environments, and and everything was done manually, right? And it required a dedicated staff. And I referred to it on a previous show, I call it care and feeding, right? There was a lot of care and feeding of that underlying environment that needed to happen. And in addition to that, it, it, even when you were presenting these environments, a lot of times the, de the developer still had to know somewhat about the infrastructure, about the security they, they had to, and it wasn't assumed it was always necessarily highly available as well. And so what cloud has done here is really shifted this operations model and this paradigm, because if you're doing a PaaS in a cloud and you're a developer, you can just get it and you can just get it on demand. So the need for that staff to own and operate the platform may not be needed anymore. And, and so maybe it is something where they can go and focus on something else. And the developers don't have to worry about the environment as well. So you get a really nice, um, highly available and very fast, a lot of the friction is removed from all of this. Um, and, and so Brian, that kind of goes into the next one as well of, uh, the, the shared responsibility model yeah. that we like to talk about in all of this. Can you elaborate on the shared responsibility model? Yeah, and, and this is probably one of the ones that's the most easy to understand. Um, you know, when we talked about security, shared responsibility, or, you know, storage or something, you know, the lines sometimes were a little bit gray. With the platform responsibility, you know, sort of by definition, the platform says, this is what the platform does. This is what we expect you as the application developer and owner to do. And they're very, very clearly defined things. So, you know, basically what it means is, um, you know, writing the application um, and just making sure that the application is is maintained or updated. That's the responsibility of the development team or the application team. And the other things, anything that the platform provides, whether it's connectivity, uh, compute and storage, uh, memory, networking, high availability, all of that is taken care of by the platform teams. And it's very, very well defined. Now, where things get a little bit gray, and sometimes we see some difference between different platforms is, and again, this is going to get a little more uh, about application-y, is some platforms will support lots of languages. So Java and .NET and Ruby and Python and Go and Rust and all these others. 
while others are very restrictive. They may only support one language or two languages, right? And again, the reason for some of that variability is, you know, the the less options that you can expose to the developer, um, you know, the simpler it is to run the platform, sometimes the simpler it is to get an application up and running. And so, you know, lots of choices uh, may sound great on the surface, but it also adds to the complexity. So that's one of those areas where, you know, the languages or the frameworks that are supported is oftentimes a little bit gray. Um, but again, they're very well defined. Are they supported? Are they not supported? And then, you know, the line between what the PaaS does and what the developer does is is really well defined. So, you know, Aaron, uh, you know, PaaS is something that's been around for a long time. In fact, it was probably one of the first services on the public cloud, and it it kind of went through some, uh, you know, some ups and downs in terms of how much people like them. But, you know, let's talk about where PaaSes live and how much it matters where they live, right? How much does location matter? So, you know, if I'm interacting with a PaaS, do I need to know where the PaaS is or will the PaaS just put my application where it needs to go? Well, and this one is actually interesting because the answer here is slightly different from our previous ones. And the reason why is, again, those layers are abstracted away. So a lot of times, a lot of this is hidden, right? As long as the system is running and you're able to develop your applications, does it matter where? It may not right? You don't have to get into the details. And that's actually the point. The point of a PaaS is there is some things happening. You're being provided a service. You shouldn't have to worry about it, right? You might want to do some geographic distribution um, for maybe, uh, you know, performance reasons, maybe for availability reasons, but that is something that is a secondary item. And, and it is not the primary of all of this, because at the end of the day, you're paying for a service and you're paying to not worry about it. And that goes into the cost as well. Um, the cost of the systems, it, this is very simple of you're not necessarily getting a granular bill. Again, you're abstracting away all of those layers and you're being provided with a cost of the system. You're not being uh, provided with, oh, this is how much compute you ran and this is how much storage you ran. This is how much networking you used. You just get a flat cost. So again, super, super simple because it's removing everything that is kind of behind the covers or under the covers and a lot of the details that that you as an application developer, that doesn't necessarily make your job better. It makes your life easier to just focus on your applications and your code. Yep, yep. Let's, let's wrap up, Paz, because I, I think, you know, the, the way to think about this, if you're if you're thinking about paths, is there are sort of uh, you know sort of bottom to the top, there are layers to any technology stack. We started off this series this season with the bottom layers: networking, compute, storage. We kind of built on top of those with security, which applies to everything. And we talked about databases, which are sort of horizontal. Now we're getting what we call higher up in the stack: the things that apply to applications. And PaaS is sort of that first place where, you know, we can make things simpler in the cloud for an application developer. There are some trade-offs, right? Uh, you know, it's going to restrict how much the developer can tweak everything and turn knobs and do stuff that they may really want to do. But it has the great benefit of everything is streamlined for the developer. 
they don't have to think about operations. Somebody else, something else takes care of that for them, um, and they can go ahead and, and move forward with their application. So for a set of applications where a PaaS makes sense, the sort of opinionated capabilities of it make sense, it's an awesome way for developers to get started. And then, you know, if you really need to get access to those lower level services, the computes, the storage, the databases, and so forth, the nice thing is the cloud is pretty modular. It lets you do that stuff. But you know, going forward with this show and the further shows, we're going to be talking about things further up the stack that, again, developers and application teams don't have to worry as much about. Um, they can focus much more or almost entirely on their applications. So, and, and Brian, a quick yeah. housekeeping uh, on this one, too. So in all the previous ones, we like to give examples. Um, and in this one, I think more so, and, and, and probably the next one as well, our examples, you know, are, are much more specific. And so if you are truly interested in this, go click on some of the links because, um, this is different in that in the previous ones, all of the big public clouds, maybe they just, you know, they offered a compute service, they offered a storage service. And if you're, if you're consuming one of those, you're probably consuming all of them. But in this one, you're allowed to pick and choose. And, and so go take a look at the uh, platform services yeah, that are that's out a there. great point this is where this is where the clouds start to really differ differ from each other and in good bad in good and bad ways but yeah that, that's a great point is you know if this is interesting to you you got to dive a little more into the specific services so let's wrap up with that on the next show we're going to dive into even going further up the stack talking about software as a service or SaaS. Thank you for listening to Cloudcast Basics. You can find all the show details at cloudcastbasics.net or in your favorite podcast player.